the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. program. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. The answer is no Baby, it's cold outside This 
welcome has been Lucky that you dropped So in. nice and warm Look out the window at the My store. sister won't be suspicious and your lips look so delicious. My brother won't be there at the door Waves upon a tropical shore My maiden aunt's mind is vicious your lips look so delicious But maybe just a half a drink more such a blizzard before Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a uh, director, inventor, academic, and author of the book Dry, which is uh, uh, a script that's been uh, converted into a graphic novel um, that addresses global warming. And he joins me by phone. His name is Stefan Stewart. Stefan, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to be on, Tom. Thank you. Um, let me let me get this straight. Um, you have three scripts: dry, wet, and ice. It's a trilogy um, that deals with uh, global warming and and climate change. Um, how how did it end up becoming? How did dry end up becoming a graphic novel? Um, you know, it's, uh, I wrote the, uh, the original story about 10 years ago. And, you know, for myself, I've always been infatuated with end of days, end of times, and, and just, you know, the future of where Earth is going to end up down the road. Oh, Stefan, and- you're a doomer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I, you know, I mean, I have a 
I have a I have a background in physics, so you know, with with physics, you know, you're kind of you know in cosmology, and and you kind of know, you know, where things end up down the road. And for me, it's just always been it's always just piqued my my uh, curiosity on it. And you know, it's also too, you know, I think it's interesting how we're in between two planets right now, Venus and Mars, and you know, they're both they're both similar to Earth. They're in this Goldilocks zone. And they have the same thing in common, and they both have over 90% of carbon dioxide in their atmospheres. And I, I'm pretty sure most of your callers know, you know, if they're familiar with those planets, Mars is basically a barren desert, negative 70 degrees. And then Venus, it's hot enough to melt lead. And there's, you know, they both experience the runaway greenhouse effect in different, with different parameters. And with, with that aspect and that, um, you know, that kind of information out there, really, it really got me um, inspired to look at Earth in, in, that same, uh, in that same kind of category in the sense of what would it be like on Earth if you took a little bit of the Mars runaway greenhouse effect and the Venus greenhouse effect and kind of combined it into one and put it, put it on Earth. And then the wheels just started turning the script was written, and then at that point, I wanted to get it in front of children, you know, I, and I think we're in a world now where books are becoming, a, not extinct, but, you know, people prefer to listen to them in, in, in the ebook format opposed to reading, and, you know, like the average American where I've read recently reads less than a book a year, and, you know, I thought having a visual tonality to this story along with some of the information would would register with kids and then that that's what really inspired me to do a graphic novel because i would like to implement it into schools and just kind of make it um one of those things where it's, it's kind of like with like critical race theory that's going on in our country I, I think there's a there's a good there's a good platform to have it for climate change as well too and, and have these children learn at a relatively young age in the sixth seventh grade about the world they live on and in the future of, of where it's going down the road and, you know, potentially maybe inspire some future scientists, um, entrepreneurs, and, and those type, type of people to deal with the climate change problem. Why not, why not make the full leap and, and go to um, film? Well, that's part of the process, too. I mean, it's, you know, in, in the way the, uh, the film world works now in Hollywood, if you have some kind of intellectual property out there, whether it's a book or it's a graphic novel, you can transition that into a film. So that is actually a future plan for this down the road as well, too. Well, let me let me ask you a little bit about the uh, um, where we're headed. Um, because we're seeing a lot more talk about it. People are a lot more accepting of the idea that Climate change is real. Global warming is real. And it's getting serious consideration it didn't get 20 years ago. Um, as, as we take steps to combat the, the man-made effects of, of um, burning fossil fuels, etc., as as we take steps, as as we start to reduce our carbon footprint, does that extend the timeline? 
Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit more, Tom? Well, what what I'm saying is, you know, depending on who you read, um, you know, there there were projections that, you know, we were all done if we didn't get rid of fossil fuel by 2050. And what I'm what I'm saying is, as we begin to reduce demand, as well, as President Biden has suggested by, say, 2030, uh, other people have other ideas. There there are people that are beginning to shift to alternative uh, energy sources, wind and solar and so on. As, as, we, as we make these changes, does it extend that deadline? So, you know, there's an interesting... Or do we have to do it all at once? It's It's very, I mean, it's very complicated, you know. I mean, in the sense, like, if there was a law passed today where every single car had to be taken off the road that was a fossil fuel-driven car, it would take 20 years. And let's be honest, that's not happening tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's not even just a simple fix of going completely solar and and then the problem is solved because of infrastructure and, and, and just the way the world is set up with fossil fuels. I just believe there's it's a little bit like you, you tackle this problem from a bunch of different angles. I mean, you, you introduce a cleaner energy source for, for automobiles, but I'm not saying you, you necessarily have to get rid of fossil fuels. I mean, there's a lot of interesting technologies with carbon capture technology there's a lot of interesting technologies. It's called carbon scrubbing, where they're pulling CO2 out of the atmosphere and trying to keep it recyc- the planet recycled and in balance. There's this number called parts per million, where I believe we're at 415 parts per million. And once we reach 1,000 parts per million, we'll start choking on the air. Yeah, I mean, there's a place in the world right now, it's called Dalal, Ethiopia, and there's literally, if you can visualize this, there's a there's a CO2 greenhouse effect happening there where there's, for about a five-mile radius, where you can walk at this part of the world and the rocks are yellow, they're violet, the water's acidic. It looks like a modern-day Venus, and you can't breathe there without an oxygen apparatus. And that is happening today. And, you know, we, we so, like, we were seeing it firsthand occur. It's just, it's part of the complicated issue is getting government subsidiaries a little more, you know, expediting this process, but it's, it's just not a simple solution where we push a button and everything changes all at once. I mean, this is a slow, gradual process. And, and, and the unfortunate problem is, you know, some numbers have been projected by the year 2080 where, in theory, we can we can have the world temperature go up six to eight degrees. I mean, these are theoretical, you know, um, concepts, but we we are trajectorying upwards still, and it's uh, you know it's it's difficult. It's very uh, it's a paradox. That's what I tell a lot of um, you know a lot of my associates. More about global warming with director, inventor, and author Stefan Stewart. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Tanaya, Zoe, Autumn, Destiny. And the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about global warming with director, inventor, and author Stefan Stewart, straight ahead. How do you manage to get the messages that young people need to get out of a sci-fi fantasy graphic novel? You've got, you know, serious things you're hoping that young people will take away from this. How, how do you get that stuff through and still be fun and entertaining and, and attractive to a young audience? Yeah, no, I mean, the young audience, I mean, you know, if you follow the, you know, the next generation, I mean, there is, there is some passion behind the, um, you know, earth and where we're going. So, I mean, that, you know, the, the, the book is written for the ages of, of 12 and up, 13 and up. And that is kind of where that our generation is right now, the next generation. So they are kind of gravitating Towards that, and I feel there is a little bit more awareness of it. I mean, my 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 methodology behind this book was to write, you know, an action fantasy about this. What would it be like to live on Earth without water, right? How how di- without the oceans? How different would that be? I mean, there's this fascination that we all want to get to Mars, and Mars, you know, is obviously, you know. We know a little bit more about Mars now, where there's, there was oceans at one time, but they slowly, you know, because of the runaway greenhouse effect and it losing its magnetic field, they, you know, they, they vanish as well. So, you know, it, so I took, like I said, I took those elements and, and, and put it into, into, into um, drive, but I also wanted to make, you know, just some interesting, um, just interesting, you know, examples with physics and how it works and how different it would be with having you know no oxygen on this planet and having no, and having to fight for for water in or, order to continuously to survive i mean it's it's there's an entertainment value kind of in the vein of mad max with some of the action and, and the pace of it and all that but there's also a deep philosophy behind it where you know these natural resources that we exist with do not we cannot take them for granted. I mean, if any of your callers are familiar with calculus, with, you know, using, you know, limited things where everything has a limit to it, I mean, that's how it is on this planet with, with clean water, with oil, and with, with our atmosphere and, and with oxygen. I mean, most of the atmosphere is made up of nitrogen more so than oxygen even. I believe oxygen is only 20 25% in our atmosphere. So, you know, these things have a limit to it, and it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to realize that nowadays because these these pro- these problems potentially are going to be down the road, and we're pretty poor at planning for future um, potential tragedies that could happen because, you know, we have such a short lifespan. But I, I see this as an opportunity to open up the door for the next generation to have some more innovation and to have some more entrepreneurs come to the table because that's how eventually we will solve this is through innovation and, and collaboration. And, you know, if anything in this country, what we're really good at is being entrepreneurs and, you know, living the American dream. 
I would like for us to pivot a little bit more away from that, you know, social media aspect of just, you know, posting, you know, and just having this kind of, a, I mean, there's a, there's a place for that, but I also think there's another place for, for innovation and inventions and, and people thinking hard, not easy per se. And, you know, in, in the sciences, there's just such an open field for new engineers and new solutions. And Elon Musk has a competition right now where if somebody is able to create an invention that's able to get X amount of CO2 greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere, you know, they, they could win millions of dollars for it. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's exciting in, in, in that sense. And I, I would hope that the next generation kind of has that philosophy in their mindset away from, you know, this current generation that struggles with, um, with change. Right. I mean, most, most pockets of eras of, of people that remember their era and, and it's hard for them to change. I mean, there's, there's a small minority that can, but the, the majority just, they just don't. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a complicated civilization that we live in and, and most people just try to, experience their day in and day out life it's up to our leadership to really to really make these changes and really open their minds and think differently about these problems and listen to new ideas and not just keep hammering the the, the same tonality of trying to get rid of oil and, and gasoline i i personally feel we can we can live with fossil fuels but we just have to think smarter about living with them than what we are right now trying to rid for them because i mean these are billion billionaire empires and they are not they're not just going to go quietly into the night (laughs) so and they shouldn't Uh, fossil fuels are amazing i mean you and i have this conversation because of fossil fuels right because of the satellites and in the atmosphere and and our comfortability of life is because of fossil fuels after the industrial revolution it's just there's you know we we get so aggressive on this change and and we don't unfortunately most people do not read the the literature on this stuff and and understand the complexities of it i mean we can't even still predict the weather let alone the complexity of what climate change and what this parts per million number could potentially do to us down the road so, you know, I, it, it's just a little, it's a little scattered right now, and I'm hoping bringing it back to dry, it could be a book that people can rally behind, kind of like what Space Odyssey was. It opened up a lot more, um, you know, scientists and engineers in the field of space and interstellar travel. I thought Blade Runner did it as well, too, with the Philip K. Dick movie, you know, with, with AI and, and the complexities there. But I don't really think there has been a, a proper film made of of what what could really happen on Earth with this runaway greenhouse effect on a on a global scale. And I'm hoping that it could just be one of those literature books that kids can pick up at a young age, and and it could be maybe an, an inspiration for them to to want to try to solve this problem. I mean, I like solving interesting problems. I mean, I I personally have a couple inventions right now that I'm I'm currently developing with some scientists to also solve this problem as well. And you know, it's not just writing the book about doom and gloom. It's also you know, <laughs> I'm, you know. I'm, I want to be a part of the the solution as well. If if somebody else can't figure it out, or you know, or at least have a blueprint for the next generation to pick up and to see it all the way through. Um, the book Dry um, is is one of a trilogy of scripts: Dry, Wet, and Ice. How are the other two different from this 
from the script that went into this? So ice deals with the albedo effect. And if you're, um, if you're familiar with that, the albedo effect is basically where sunlight is uh, reflecting off ice into, back into space. And that's how our planet is able to stay cool. So in, in, the, in the next one that I'm currently um, d- adapting to a graphic novel, Ice, it shows uh, the aftermath of what will happen if our planet were to run out of ice and the albedo effect no longer works. Now, you, you might think it might end up like dry, but there's actually, you know, this is back to the complexities of, of the patterns of how all these things are interconnected. Just a quick little rundown. If, if the sun melts the ice and the ice warms the ocean, the ocean's current changes and the ocean's oxygen level changes. And in, in, in theory, and there's, there's some science behind this as well, too, that it, it can release these uh, cataclysmic cold fronts that can potentially create a modern-day ice world. That's how, that's how a lot of us believe that, or in the, in the community believe, is how the last ice age occurred. Because there's still kind of like a, a mythology behind ice ages. The last one, they believe, happened 13, 14,000 years ago. But, you know, th- but there's not, you know, it's such a global-scale event, and, and there's just, it's hard to really get this data. But that's kind of the... Uh, the the premise of it like like i said initially with mars and venus they're both experiencing runaway greenhouse effects but you know venus is relevant to hell literally you know it rains you know molten acid and then mars it's it's negative 60 degrees it's a it's a barren ice world desert so it's just showing the uh, the runaway greenhouse effect in ice in the sense of what would um what would happen if the opposite effect happened because of that? There's two ways it can occur. It can it, it could occur where, where dry is, where, you know, we run out of water and we end up heating ourselves up. And then there's another, there's another ap, you know, amplitude to it where in ice we, we experience the exact polar opposite. We go back into the ice age. So I wanted to show the, uh, the runaway greenhouse effect in two different, two different perspectives there with you know the speculation about the ice age of 13 14,000 years ago um we didn't have cars and there hadn't been an industrial revolution is there a cycle that the planet goes through where it warms and cools in in these cycles maybe over hundreds or thousands of years and and how much of the the global warming and climate change we're experiencing is natural to the planet and how much of it is man-made and can innovation address both yeah i mean they they they, they go hand in hand right i mean the earth is on this elliptical orbit you know if if you can visualize you know i believe it's 2 2 billion years we're going to have our orbit in the same orbit as where Venus is at right now. And in doing so, being closer to the sun, you know, we're going to experience a lot more radiation and potentially that could be the moment where we lose our oceans potentially. So the earth is always experiencing this elliptical orbit and there are some potential factors there. I mean, this is, 
it's, there's just not enough information to really make a substantial point to that claim there. All we can, all we can really kind of stand on right now and, and look at and observe to, you know, pretty, some pretty accurate evidence is, is what happens with greenhouse gases in, into the atmosphere. And that it's, a, it's a real tangible problem that is occurring now. And, you know, I just, you know, we, we live in a country where, you know, we're innovators, right? I mean, we, we, the industrial revolution is because of us. So why can't, why can't we have a better, a better plan moving forward with caring for this planet for future generations and continue to innovate and continue to make money and continue to make new inventions, right? I mean, you know, we created the car. So why can't we figure out a way to live with the car? a little bit better and have more opening for jobs, more sectors for jobs, more people think differently in the world. They don't have the same thought process they did in the 1940s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, this is a, it's a, the world is always changing whether we want to or not. It's the question if we want to, if we want to deal with, if we want to deal with it and live with it. I'm not, I'm not saying we should ever take away anybody's jobs. And I'm not, I'm not saying oil and gas, like I said previously, should go away. I just really believe with our innovative you know, spirit of this country, we can really create some interesting solutions to to continue to keep the ba- the balance on on Earth. With you mentioned one a little bit earlier, Stefan, but what are some areas of exploration that innovators should be moving in to have? the best outcome. I mean, we've got a lot of people working on solar panels and and energy storage batteries and so on and and wind and hydro. There are all these alternatives to using fossil fuels. But when you talk about things like taking carbon out of the air and and treating it in in some way, um, what are the technologies that that people should be looking to try to develop in the processes? I mean, the the, the most scalable and and the, and the solutions that we can we can do right now and continue to you know try to make some changes occur is is the carbon captured technology. And right now, there's a lot of plants around the world that that have this technology. And they're trying to scrub carbon basically out of out of the atmosphere. Problem with that technology is, it's, if you look at it ge- on a geographic scale, it's it's li- limited to to the area. For an example, Iceland right now they have this carbon capture plant they just they just um, produced and it's it's operating, but it just deals with with what's happening in Iceland. You know, there should be thousands of those plants around the world. There should be more of those plants, more of that technology, as a part on a global scale. For every for every coal factory, for every oil derrick next to it in in unison, there should be a carbon capture technology dealing with it. The problem is, there's just we just don't have that infrastructure yet at all, you know, and then that's something that I personally believe is something we should really start rallying behind. But, but these, these plants take a long time to build and, 
you know, I just think we need to create a smaller model of it and kind of scale it down and produce these these inventions that are around these these carbon these, these carbon emission plants that can keep CO two methane in in some balance instead of these plants. So it's it's bringing it back to you know the innovation aspect where I believe you know for anybody listening to this you know that's interested in it should look at that carbon capture technology and looking at it and looking at a way to create an invention smaller. And, and maybe you just have, you know, 20 to 30 of these little smaller carbon capture units that can hover around a, um, you know, these, these power plants, these, um, you know, these, the freeway systems and just kind of keep everything in balance. The thing with CO2 that's, that's complicated, you know, once it gets into the atmosphere, it doesn't go away. I mean, it's the same thing with uranium 237. I mean, it, it, when we, you know, the, the radioactive element it when we bury it into the ground it doesn't decay it's around for you know millions of years and that's the same aspect with what happens with the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and when it's up there it just it it bas- it changes the components of our atmosphere and with our components of our atmosphere continuously change and you know and our biosphere goes away and our magnetic field goes away you know there, there's this thing in space called solar wind which is which is extreme radiation and it's what happened on mars we believe with the magnetic field on mars it doesn't have a magnetic field we don't know if it ever had a magnetic field but as as, right now it doesn't the magnetic field went away and what happens is the solar wind took away the water on mars and that's ultimately what will happen with greenhouse gases if too much of it gets into the atmosphere and we hit a certain limit threshold and nobody knows what that number is because this is all new science coming out in the last 50, 60 years. We don't know when that breaking point of no return. So, you know, that's why I I just believe like I get the solar aspect, I get the wind and it helps, but that's just part of the equation there's there's numerous solutions that can work hand in hand to solve this this problem i mean germany tried going completely solar and it didn't work they they had blackouts and they couldn't function properly so that's not and you know in the end with solar as well when you know when that get, when you you know solar is good for 30 25 years after that's over you know you take it to a junkyard it decays away like everything with matter and what happens is it, it ends up giving off greenhouse gas emissions as well, too. So, you know, that everything with materials kind of trajectories that way. That's why I always have been pushing the people about carbon capture technology, carbon scrubbing technology. It's out there. It's available. It's accessible. But it needs to, it needs to scale a little bit more. And there's still room for some new in, innovation and inventions that can that can help solve this problem. Well, the uh, Stefan's book is called Dry. It's a uh, graphic novel which uh, helps get teens and and even adults, for that matter, to become uh, more environmentally active uh, and and to make activists out of um, people. But Stefan, I, I 
we're getting close to the end of our time, and there's so much to talk about with this subject. I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about you and your work, past, present, and future, and the book, and and uh, and, and really the subject um, matter that's uh, that's part of all this. Um, Stefan, do you have a website? I don't. I do not. I'm I'm one of those that kind of keeps a keeps a low profile. I'm one of those that stays in the weeds and tries to solve the problem, you know. But um, as for like the book. And if, you know, viewers are interested and, and parents, especially with the holidays coming up, I think it's a great book to have parents share with their children and, and have that introduction conversation or even, you know, the young, younger, you know, teenagers that are looking at the world differently. And you can find the book anywhere on, um, on Amazon, you know, basically. And, you know, any, anywhere you, where you can buy a book, you can, um, this, you can buy dry if your audiences are interested in going a little deeper with uh, the material. Well, Stefan, thanks so much for spending this time with me, and keep up the good work. I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Again, that's uh, Stefan Stewart, director, inventor, academic, and author of the book Dry. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. fighting crime. I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. 
While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go.
Rafina, Tamaya, Sammy, Lauren, Maya, Raya, Riley, Ella, Gabby, Emma, Alyssa, and the Tom Sumner Program. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. This presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One, two, three, four, five. Again now the boat ashore Michael the boat ashore keep it rolling Everybody hum Wait a second Dicky Dick we we hum it this I want to go back to the start and take it one more time from the top Michael row the boat ashore I just like everybody to join in this time Okay one more time Okay gang in a world torn asunder by strife and by unhappiness, what sound in the world enters into our heart and brings love and brotherhood, but the sound of people's voices joining together and singing. So let's roof the rafters, people. Let's fill this room with the most joyous sound known to man. People. People singing. For in the ether of the air, in the great sky of, of, the, of the faraway land, Fill the sky, the musical sky, with voices intertwining themselves in a giant choral arrangement like colors in your mind and lines going up and down as the voices of people join together. So friends, let's fill this room with love. Let's fill this room with music and song. For people driving by, maybe outside, they'll be in their car and we'll be in here singing, they'll be driving by and, and as they drive by they'll probably say, what the hell's going on? Let's sing out now, friends. Michael, row the boat ashore. Sing out. Hallelujah. Michael, row the boat ashore. Hallelujah. Everybody. Wait a second, that guy wasn't singing there. Which guy? The, girl, the guy with the, the girl with the blonde hair. You the weren't singing that... very well there. Would you join in with us and fill it? You will? You will? You'll sing with us now, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> Here we go, gang. Michael Rowe, the boat ashore. that boat ashore. Come on, Mike. 
So, gang, let's all hum with our mouths open this time and get Tommy, a little more volume. That's a nice idea. Really, that's a great idea. But you so, cannot hum with your mouth open. Yes, you do. All you you have don't to... ask anybody to hum with their mouth open. Yes, all you have you to do... You can't do that. You so... Listen, if you tried to hum with your mouth open, you could hurt yourself. That's too bad. Yeah. So, yes. I'll tell you what. If you want more volume, why don't you ask everybody to aw? Oh. I mean, not just a regular ah, oh, but like this. Ah, 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 ah. See, it's louder, it's easy to do, and if you ask everybody in this entire room to awe together in unison to Michael, you will experience a thrilling, exciting, vibrant, it'll be a, a vibrant experience, tremendous. Let's all open up our hummers now and all awe together, okay? Everybody except you. You hum with your mouth open. <laughs> Hear that, Michael? <laughs> we'll help you trim those sails and roll that boat, won't we, gang? Everybody. Michael This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 